the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The big silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence Podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go! Mental health is my wealth, the stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. Welcome back to the big silence. Good to see you, hear you today. Yeah, great to be here. I was talking to them, not you. But it's great to have you, too. Oh, that's strange because you're making direct eye contact with me. No, I actually was looking at that camera. Oh. Anyway. Camera's not there. (laughs) Today, my co-hosts are Bobby and Tiki. So once again, if you hear panting in the microphone right now, that's just a Pomeranian. Mm -hmm. Little Pomeranian plosives, as they say in the business. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Tiki, what do you think? Is it good to be here? Can I get a pant pant? Oh, no. Now she's licking his face. This is what she does every morning, too. You guys, I can't even. (laughs) I don't even kiss my husband in the morning because my Pomeranian wakes up and kisses him for like 10 minutes before he gets out of bed. Say hello to your fans, Tiki. Okay. That's, That's enough. So something really exciting today. Aside from our guest that is about to come on, uh, James Kenny, something exciting today is that the Big Silence tour bus yes. is arriving. Yes, it is. Bobby, how do you feel about that? I'm excited. I mean, it literally looks like that tour bus right behind you. Yeah, it's a, a 45-footer. And as you all know, we are hitting the road to go on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, first stop is Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. April 28th. Again, go to thebigsilence.com to see the full tour schedule. Uh, There's a a lot of things going on. There's everything from workouts to music, meditation, uh, readings from the book, mental health panels. Every stop is a little bit different and defined by each spot. So I can't wait to see you all on the road in real life. Mm -hmm. Haven't been on tour since 2017. Let's do it to it. Yeah. So, yeah, we are literally driving a tour bus. And you all know we love the RV life. And we went on the road for seven weeks before and went to like 10 national parks and saw our families and all across the country during the pandemic. And 
So this is like, we love the, the bus life. Yeah. I have a tough time calling this an RV. Oh, I don't call it an RV. Yeah. This, there, we this have is the like, RV. Uh, and, just a house on wheels. Yeah. And Bobby has to pass his driver's test still. He's passed mm-hmm. the written one. Yeah. Tuesday. Tuesday is yeah, the test. Yeah, so the day before this podcast comes out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have to pass it. Whew. Just got to parallel park that 45-footer. That's where they let me uh, park it in Manhattan for your tour date. That's like the scariest. You're like, I have to drive this tour bus through New York City? Like, yes, you do. Yeah, love New York City. Do not like driving through New York City. But it's exciting. It's I literally, once it rolls up, I know I'm going to cry again because it's such a dream to be able to spread awareness for mental health. The launch of my book, which you can pre-order still, it comes out on April 26th. But I believe if you order it on Amazon now, you get it right away. I've seen some really some ladies posting about it that they already got it. So um, hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. How does that work? We got to talk to Jeff about that because... Uh, Mr. Bezos? I was like, I was like who's going Jeff? On? Yeah, you know, <laughs> first name basis, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited for today's guest. He's my friend who I met through my very dear friend, Jeremy, that I, who has worked with me for 15 plus years, introduced me to James Nicholas Kinney. They came over to our house for a barbecue and we just vibed and he started freestyling and we were just having a good time. And then he went in the studio and the theme song that you hear at the beginning of every episode is by James. Yep. And James is the awesome. man. He's the man. Yeah. Right? He's just a good, good person and can light up any room he walks into. And it just his presence makes you feel good. Yeah. We're actually having dinner with him again tonight. He's here in Austin. Mm-hmm. So we discuss his mental health journey about his anxiety, agoraphobia, him coming out of depression, and how he got back to music to yeah. raise awareness for mental health. He left the music industry for many, many years, and he is back just doing things that he loves. And I hear, that, you know, there were birds chirping out there in the world saying that he possibly has some songs finished and possibly we've heard them and there's no possibility here, but they are absolute fire. They're amazing. Yeah. And he will be at some of the tour stops. Maybe we can get a little sneak peek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So enjoy this episode with my friend, friend James, and I'll see you on the flip side. Ciao. Tiki says bye. Say bye, Tiki. My energy is golden, manifest is spoken Through the third eye, oh my, I'm so open No longer silent, this is the moment Only one life, gotta live for the moment Meditate, meditate, meditate Levitate, levitate, levitate Meditate, meditate, meditate Levitate, levitate, levitate The big silence Woo! All right, that song you just heard is from James Skinny, who is our guest today. My friend, you guys. Okay, so I met James through our friend Jeremy. Shout out to Jay. Hey, Cassie family. I don't know, you came over to my house for a barbecue or something, and then Mm -hmm. he started freestyling, and we vibed, and then we went on a hike, and then all of a sudden you felt inspired to write. That, That is the... Big Silence theme song. This is the man behind it. And I'm so excited to have you here. Um, 
and have you in my own life, have you be a part of the big silence, a part of everything that we're doing together in the future. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And yeah, just just like that, right? Just like that. Two souls collided, colliding. Yeah. So James has a beautiful history too on his mental health journey and you know how we've come together and everything that we want to do together. I would love, well, first of all, let me back up. Let's have a little fun. We went hiking and that was really fun. Yeah. We hiked just down the street from my house and we just got to know each other and opening up about so much. And you're, so you're from, you have, you split time between Austin and Seattle. Austin, Spokane, and LA. Wow, that's a lot. How do you do that? It's fun. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way, really. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's certainly not easy. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are a global advertising executive. You're a father Mm -hmm. and you balance everything, but you're now pretty much trying to be full-time here in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I I got a place here in May of 21. And then, you know, due to relationships like this and others, I just felt like I wanted to spend more time here. I'm a native Texan. So, um, you know, mama is up the road in Dallas. Yeah. So being here is just a good energetic shift, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Been in L.A. from New York since 2012. Mm -hmm. So but it's kind of hard to be in one place. And I think the pandemic opened that up where so many of us are living in multiple cities or places where we never really thought that we would be. Yeah, I agree. I'm so used to like being all over the place and having like three homes. And also then the pandemic just kind of like grounded me here in Austin. But yeah, your mom is in in Dallas. And but I want to get into there's so much interest from me about your story. And so anyone who's listening, we briefly talked about James's story on the podcast that is live from the Big Silence launch event. And it was the panel that we are on. And if you haven't listened to that, I invite you to listen to that on the podcast. But I would love you to kind of just dive in because I feel like your work and what you do, your position on the corporate level, your position and what you're doing in mental health is all about your mental health. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many people like myself do a lot of work in mental health because they are going through it themselves and mm-hmm. they continue to go through it and mm-hmm. they've learned a lot and you have empathy for those who are looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. So basically I started in advertising a long time ago, started in sales and it was one of those boiler room environments like that, like that movie, Wolf of Wall Street. Like that's mm-hmm. literally the kind of environment that it was. And, you know, my music career coming out of college was really successful. Like I was touring in five different states, had recorded a couple albums, and music is my first love and always will be. And thanks thanks to you, it's like new again, and I'm getting to use it in new ways, right? But um, basically, I crashed and burned is what I say. And in my book, Living at 30,000 Feet, I talk about that crash and burn. So essentially, working like 10, 12 hour days, eating like double bacon cheeseburgers, drinking like pint of whiskey. And it was just a crazy environment. So I actually came back to Austin to go to Austin City Limits. I don't even know what year this was, but about 14 years ago, actually. And 
I was outside in the sun all day, like music festivals are, basically dehydrated, dehydrated myself through drinking and um, wound up going to the emergency room on the way after Austin City Limits. And basically from that, you know, most trauma associated with mental health, it's a combination of genetic and then some sort of trauma event, right? You, you don't just kind of wake up and have it. There's usually something that you go through, something that you see, something that happens in life. So for me to have this event where my heart was beating at 190 beats a minute and I'm sitting still, you know, my body just went haywire. So I wound up in the ambulance on my 30th birthday, was in the emergency room. And then from there, I just didn't know what had happened to me. And because I was awake, sometimes when you're going through trauma like a car accident, you know, your body shuts down and you kind of can't remember what happened. But I was really conscious and awake going through this experience. So I tried to function again and go back into that Wall Street advertising environment, but I just couldn't. And I, I suffered in silence for about a year and a half, went to my HR at the time and said, hey, I just don't feel right. I don't know what's going on with me. I can't sleep. I'm having nightmares, you know, every symptom that you can imagine from anxiety. Anxiety turned into depression, which we can kind of talk about the journey, because when you get that place of despair and you don't know what's wrong with you, that's when, you know, really bad things can happen to people and people can do bad things to themselves mm. when they don't know. So to kind of round the story out, I basically shut down, went to the doctor, got some drugs. Drugs made it worse. Prescriptions. Yes. Drugs for me made it worse. And uh, I've... How so? I mean, I had like demons and goblins in my dreams and That's so like crazy thirst. Like I would, I would be at work like literally with a gallon of water just trying to, but the dry mouth was so bad and the sleeping was so bad. It's so interesting because I, oh my God, I was, I'm writing notes and I have so many questions. But yeah, my mom for her, obviously mm -hmm. different situa mental health situation, but she didn't want to take her medication for schizophrenia and depression mm -hmm. because she saw the Grim Reaper sitting outside yes. her window yes. or a spider above her bed. Yes. And so figuring out that that I always say that cocktail of medications that work for you. And I'm all for those who need medications and go there and find the right cocktail. But I, I personally have not been on um, that journey yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I say uh, yet. Uh, I just say it. <laughs> um, 100%. So interesting thing. I just heard the former director of mental health and psychology for the NIH. He left because the bureaucratic system was too slow. Mm -hmm. in terms of mental health and change in America. And he went to a place in Silicon Valley and he said they were kind of having a debrief about like, well, what is this epidemic, pandemic of mental health in America? And he said, room full of scientists. And one of the guys says, listen, man, it's not that difficult. Like the drug industry, and again, I'm like you, I'm fully supportive for those who need it. And a lot of people do. But what he said, this guy who's in charge of the whole thing said, pharmacology is only part of the formula. And he said, ultimately, it comes down to three things for people. It's people, place, and purpose. Hmm, okay. Because he said, we haven't created a system where an individual can have the right people around them with love and support, place, 
You put someone on a 24-hour psych hold, that's not long enough. It's not. And basically, the analogy he said was amazing. He said, you go break a leg six to eight weeks, 12 weeks in a casket, but the way that we treat a broken leg or a broken arm is not the way that you can treat something related to mental health. It could take a year or years. So if a person can't work or they don't have family around them, we kind of have created almost an incarceration system around mental health, more so than we've created an environment where people have the right people, place, and purpose in life in order to really go through and come out on the other end of a mental health journey. So for me, I was fortunate enough to move back to Austin at that time. I moved in with a, a homie of mine, and I waited tables just a couple days a week and paid $400 a month for a room because that's all I could afford at the time. And I read books every day, and I walked, and I lost weight, and I did all the things that someone like you would teach me to do. But if I wouldn't have had that opportunity, I don't know, maybe I could have wound up on the street because I was afraid to go home and tell my mom what was going on with me. I mean, yeah, th- th- you didn't tell it. Did you tell your friends, your family, anything? Because I can relate to that yeah. when I was little 21-year-old Karina. Yeah. So I told my mom about a year and a half after, and she told me to read As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Okay. And that book really changed my life in terms of thoughts become things. You know, really kind of old English type of book. But once you like unlock the science of As a Man Thinketh, it did help me along my path. But Basically, it took me three years to holistically heal myself from that. And I, I lost birthdays, friend gatherings. I lost vacations. I mean, what do you mean by lost? Like, well, because, where were you? because when you're a sufferer like mm-hmm. me and now a survivor, you have, when you're an agoraphobic the way that I was, you have avoidant behavior. So if someone would invite me to dinner, something that simple, I didn't want to go because I was afraid I would have a panic attack. You know, I still have avoidant behavior to this day, even though now I'm on the global stage. Can you explain agoraphobia? Because I know we've talked about it. Yeah. yeah. So agoraphobia, which I didn't know that I had it, is an extreme form of anxiety where basically you have a fear that something catastrophic is going to happen to you. It's like a catastrophic way of thinking. So typically agoraphobics like to be in a safe place environment. When they're in their safe place, which could be their living room, their house, their bedroom, uh, a blank, a bottle, anxiety has a million faces, is what I always try to teach people about anxiety. So it could literally be like a hoodie, a sweatshirt, like, but there's something that makes the agoraphobic feel safe. And if they don't have that safety thing, it's not fun, right? Because they go into a trigger usually. So that's what agoraphobia is. And there's, you know, lots of, it, it, it's kind of a rare form. But there's probably a good couple hundred thousand people right now that are afraid to leave their apartment or their house. And especially when you look at what the pandemic did, it turned people into agoraphobics. If you think you're going to get something outside the crib, you stay in the crib. You know what I mean? I totally get that. I will say even for myself, I'm like, I'm going to leave my house today. (laughs) Yeah. So it still is like a learned behavior, right? Yeah. But yeah, the pandemic has really set that up. But were you diagnosed with that? How did you get diagnosed? Yeah. So about two years in, using my own tools and just trying to figure out what was going on with me, quit work and all that, I saw a psychologist three days a week. Mm -hmm. Like I really went in. Yeah. 
And she was dope because she was Eastern and Western. Mm -hmm. So I got the Western tool. I got the Eastern tools. And that's what started me being a certified meditation teacher. Yes. Then I became a yoga teacher later, you know, later in, in the journey. But that's what started the spiritual journey. So yeah, three days a week, I was in therapy and yeah, worked out and ran and did all the things to rebuild myself. Read like 40, 50 books. And yeah. So you put the book, the burgers and the whiskey down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Started running. And how did that like what was that time frame of because that's that takes a lot of work to just put that stuff down. Yeah. And what was the time frame? What was your daily like when you wake up in the morning? What did you have to tell yourself? that you are worthy and you are changing your life and you deserve this life that you now have created mm, and you're further God. creating. Yeah. It's so funny. Like you, you're taking me back to that time. Like mm. it's taking me to that place. Cause I'm, I'm going to tell you it, it, it was not any sorts of fun. Anxiety is really weird in that you'll have periods like a couple weeks where you're just like off. Mm -hmm. Just not really functioning. Then you'll just wake up one day and it's over and you'll be good for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Then you wake up one day and you're back there again and you don't really know why and how to control the ebbs and flows. But ultimately, on our song, <laughs> The Big mm -hmm, Silence, mm -hmm. when I talk about self-love, I remember a really clear moment where I said to myself, James, I love myself too much to keep doing this. I, I just, I'm exhausted. Like I, I can't, I can't. And I knew that my life was like going by, like my dad, my stepdad died during this time period. I was engaged and my fiance went in a different direction. Let's, let's say all during this time period, all while I was grappling with anxiety and I was like super dead, dead broke and had all the talent in the world to do music and to do business. Yet life wasn't showing me those results. I know the lyrics. Nobody can love you the way you love yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember a very clear moment and I really credit a clear understanding and comprehension that if I loved myself and I put that first, as cliche as that sounds, I'm not talking about an Instagram post. I'm talking about like, you got to set yourself and look in the mirror, like on some like Lu Louise Hay OG mirror work, you know what mm -hmm, I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where you... You look in the mirror and you cry your eyes out. I'm not sure if you, do you curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but I'm talking about looking at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm going through it. Like snot bubbles. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, what, so when you're talking about looking yourself in the mirror and if anyone is doing that, because. I've never actually looked at myself in the mirror and started crying my eyes out. Mm. Is that, I, I, I don't know if it's because I'm hiding from myself or I just don't do that, but I do have those mornings when I wake up and I'm like, not necessarily being confident about myself, mm -hmm. but I always go through my gratitude list and this and that. And I get the ups and downs and the anxiety or the mornings that I wake up with anxiety, but now I know how to give it a name. What do you do now? Do you still have anxiety? Do you mm -hmm. look... Do you feel not worthy, even though, I mean, to me, 
you're the most worthy. <laughs> you are worthy. You're Thank incredible. You. But uh, how do you work through that? Yeah, well, fortunately, I definitely know that I'm worthy now. My wealth consciousness has expanded tremendously. My understanding of my spiritual journey and my place in this world is very clear to me, and I'm relentless in that pursuit, so I have a direct relationship with God. Um, Who is God to you? Wonderful question. Wow. Um, (laughs) So God, to me, lives within, but God is a connection to what I call the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And the supernatural is where miracles occur. I believe that there's multiple deities throughout time that have assumed that position of God. But I do believe, and I know for a fact, like learning how to walk again after mm-hmm. a car accident that I was in, there's, I shouldn't really even be here and miracles exist. So if you think about it from a place of physics, there's like a natural realm that we're living in where you can see. And then we know that there's frequencies that we can't see that exist. Then there's a place beyond that. And that's that's where God is. And if you can connect yourself to that supernatural realm, you know, when they say when you pray, you talk to God. When you meditate, God talks to you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to me, I believe in Jesus. But with Jesus, I believe that there's other gods and spirits that rally around you. But you got to be next level to tap into it. And I think you get next level from opening up your aperture and learning how to receive. Mm-hmm. I believe in that too. I, I believe when I went through my darkest periods, I cursed God, who I believed in. And then once I welcomed, and again, everyone was saying like God is your own form of what that higher power is. But then once I welcomed that higher power, that God back in, it healed me. Mm -hmm. I stopped cursing it and I started connecting. And through whether it's meditation or with self and becoming more aware. So what would be like someone wanting and, you know, just to be connected with the universe or whatever it may be. And meditation, which you're really into, and I love your, you're very soothing with your meditation. How does someone get started on that path? Mm. So the meditation path is first understanding that it's not about not thinking. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I pride myself on in being a teacher of multiple things is kind of using contrast to help people understand what it's not, because there's so many misconceptions, right? Like the big silence, like directly challenging the stigma of mental health, right? So understanding that meditation is not about not thinking is step number one. Number two, it's about learning how to connect to your breath, which is as simple as hearing your breath, feeling your breath, and even touching your breath. Like most people forget if you look Mm -hmm. in a mirror and you see your breath come out in the mirror, like that's amazing. Like that's a miracle that you can see that. So I studied neuroscience at UCLA back in 2015, and I really started to understand neuro inputs. And if you can put as many neuro inputs together and you start to really understand the breath, then you understand the power and the connection between the breath and the central nervous system, which is really the whole thing that keeps you calm, which then anchors into the brain and your fight or flight triggers, right? Mm -hmm. So number one, it's not about not thinking. Number two, it's about understanding and connecting to your breath. And then number three, 
the body has a lot of intelligence, right? There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And so much of anxiety and stress that we have because we're animals is through the body. So then number three, it's understanding the correlation between the mind and the body. Movement is medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And then number four for me is integrating purpose. Purpose could be anything from like, I love my mom. I love my partner. I love my pet. I love something. But you have to shift your energy and you have to shift your state towards something positive. And when you do that, it really takes you out of the state that you're in and allows you to transcend into a healing space. So what I do to teach people in a very simple way is just a combination of breathing exercises and meditation, like four by four by fours or eight by eight by eights for people who know that language, right hand on the heart, left hand on the belly. Can you um, clarify four by four by four eight for those who don't know? Oh, yeah, of course. Most people probably don't. Yeah, yeah so a four by four by four means that you're breathing in for four, you're holding for four, and exhaling for four. And you do that in a repetitive way until you feel better, or you can do 10 of them, right? And that's basically mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So meditation can go as heavy as Deepak, who you've worked with, where you're like fully transcending. Like I was certified in transcendental, which is a whole other thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I think for what I like to teach people like at work and on the street, just really simple, those kind of formulas. And then the eight by eight by eight will be inhale for eight, hold for eight, exhale for eight. But the hand on the heart and hand on the belly allows you to slow down your heart rate, lean in to your gut, which is your second brain and lots of emotions, feet on the ground, right? So then the meditative aspect becomes where your mind is during that breathing process, right? Mm -hmm. And as you slow it down, it allows you to become more present and more focused. And like I say in one of my meditations, you go from seeing 3,000 clouds in the sky to following one, mm -hmm. right? So it's okay to think while you meditate, but you bring it back to whatever your focal point is. And if your focal point is the breath, you're always going to be on point. You can also stare at it. There's music. There's lots of different ways. And then for this pop culture world that we live in, you know, it's about meditative activities. And what would those be for you? Running, yoga, taking yeah. a bath, walking. Yeah. I mean. Bobby loves baths. Yeah. Bobby does. He's over here shaking his yeah. head. Yeah. Bobby G. <laughs> I mean, so ancient and indigenous um, cultures and civilizations, how they worked out most of their problems was through walking. Yeah. I love a good a good walk. Just walking outside in nature. It's it's very meditative. And I I want to circle back to you about a word you mentioned earlier, purpose. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of questions from people who are like, I don't feel like I have purpose. And I feel like you're a good person to ask this. Mm. Like, how do you find purpose, whether it doesn't have to be career? It could be career or just your daily life, but I know that you have found so much purpose in what you do for your work and your personal life. Like for someone who's like, I'm so lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, shout out to Victor Frankel for those of you who know who um, he is. He was a doctor who was in a concentration camp in World War II, and he came up with something called. Um, Logotherapy. So he wrote a book called One's Meaning for Life or Finding Meaning in Life. But a lot of people talk about formulas for purpose. And essentially, 
really quick way to understand it is what would you do for free? What, when you do it, there's no time. What do you do that you enjoy it around other people? And then I think I said this, but then what would you do for free, right? Like if yeah. it if, 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 if it didn't make you any, any money. So then, of course, the skeptic in our brains kicks in and goes, well, I got to eat. I got to pay rent, right? But th- what I teach people professionally is that there's a way to integrate purpose into what you do professionally and or the weekends or at night, et cetera. Like you can, you know, work at Baskin and Robbins during the day, but no one's telling you you can't go home at night and play guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's telling you that you can't, you know, sing opera on Sundays at church mm-hmm. um, or be a fitness instructor and teach one class a day. But I think we've created kind of this all or nothing society where just because you have a gig or you're running a business, you can't live in your purpose. So I think any amount of living in purpose, once you lock it in, what you would do for free, what you would do with friends, what feels timeless, et cetera, then I think it's important that you have some level of purpose in your life. And I'm a firm believer, and I think this is Eckhart Tolle, but the acorn becomes the oak tree. Mm -hmm. So you never know when that Thursday night singing in church turns into next thing, you're on American Idol. Mm -hmm. But life's like the lottery. You got to be in it to win it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you're not doing it, then how can you ever live your purpose full, full time? Yeah. I think that's really important just because so many people are like, I'm just going to the grind and the work that you're doing and we're doing in corporate wellness Mm -hmm. and everything is like, everyone's like, but I want to feel a purpose. And there's this like gut feeling where everyone, especially now, it's like, I want to make a difference. I want to make sure what I'm doing is helping others. So it's a, it's a big question. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've been saying this on IG all year. I really feel like 2022 and maybe it's because it's the number two. I feel like it's the year of like collaboration. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to do it alone. Like you and I, once we became homies, like we're organically homies. Like we just like hit each other. And y- you've been on this journey for a long time. I've been on this journey for a long time, but we met at the right time yeah. to help each other live our purpose. Right. So again, going back to the society we have now, why has everybody got to do it alone? You don't have to. I don't want to do it alone. I, yeah. have, I have people all around me for years Absolutely. and years, you know. Angels all around you, girl. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. but that's why, like I, I I put in most people when they talk about purpose don't have the what would you do with friends. Mm-hmm. It's so key because community is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, with Tone It Up, we built it on community. And but yeah, I definitely like my purpose is not a, a single thing. Mm-hmm. It's, That's it's also with true. the people around me and collaborating. And so I want to ask you, music, mm-hmm. going back to that, and you've been reignited with music. Yeah. And what is your purpose behind all of the music that you're creating now? And mm. why and how has that changed your emotions over the last year? Mm. Well, music for me now, you know, going back to it, 15, 20 years later, or however long that it's been, I was saying to Bobby earlier, like, when I first was in music, it was about, like, trying to be famous, trying to make it. You know, you listen to what other people say. He's the next John Legend. He's Lenny Kravitz, whatever, that you get the comparison game to. Mm -hmm. 
So then you try to create what other people say about you, which is a weird space to be in. But you know this as a professional model, right? It's like, Mm-hmm. she's the this she's like a this and you're like wait hold up nah i'm not i'm i'm me right but in the beginning when you're an amateur or a novice that's kind of how you learn so i didn't really know who i was as a musician very talented i can say and you know i did 2000 shows performed at carnegie hall toured europe opened for the roots played with jamie cullum who's the best selling um, british jazz artist of all time did an album with james taylor's son ben taylor and it's so funny for me to do what I've done in corporate America. Most people have no idea oh, no. that I'll just like drop bars out of nowhere. <laughs> but, the, but, but, but the funny thing about that journey is that dropping bars, a.k.a. freestyling, <laughs> uh, improvisational music, for those of you who don't know what dropping bars means, it's the same thing that made me— I was me, like, wait, dropping bars? <laughs> dropping I don't bars, know. Right? <laughs> okay. um, but the funny thing is, is that turned out to be the same thing that makes me an incredible presenter— Mm-hmm. and speaker in the corporate world. It's because it's the same thing, connecting to an audience and speaking. Anyway, but the music now, and again, I, I mean this, I just want to tell you live on the show, I, I thank you for my new music career. No. Because when we met, and it was like a weekish later, I was like, she needs a theme song. And it just hit me. Because I was telling Bobby earlier, I was doing meditations, but I was still you know, playing House Cat versus Lion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I didn't see the lion in the mirror yet. And then I was like, wait, I can make music about mental health. I can make music that's positive. And I was like, whoa, but Bobby and I were breaking this down. It's like, it's a fine line when you talk about conscious hip hop. Like, how do you make something that's not cheesy, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't sound like nursery rhyme, ABC, one, two, three. That's not cheesy, that like still bangs, but still has like a hook and a message and content that people gravitate around. And it's also, it's like society's looking for the big silence, but then society's also looking for positive content, I promise you, because there's so much toxic and negative stuff out there. So now my EP who drops, my EP that drops in May for Mental Health um, Awareness Month, right when you start your, your, your tour, every song on there is just me telling my story as a survivor, as a yoga teacher, as a meditation teacher, as a, as a father, as a Black person, as a man, as so many things, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to bring people together. Like, I've never, you know, COVID is really crazy how it's divided us. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like we had racism before. Now we got more racism. You know what I mean? We, we had issues. Now we got more issues. Everything's been compounded. So, I believe my music is an opportunity to really bring people together. And music is special like that. Yeah. There's not too many mediums that can do that. Yeah. I mean, music to me is like meditation and mental health, all of that stuff. I, mean, I was raised in a musical family. And so, you know, that night when you just started dropping, wait, dropping bars? Dropping bars. There you go. Dropping <laughs> in bars. In my living room. I was like, What? <laughs> But I'm excited. I you're dropping a new EP. Yeah, yeah. Was, all right. Yeah, and it's cool because I didn't know that the music is a way to market who I am as a mental health and diversity leader and yeah. and 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 an expert. You know what I mean? So it's it's really fun that I can sit across the table from an expert like yourself or some doctor from Stanford or something and like, you know, or some like I'm, I'm, I'm going to Cannes in France and, um, can I come? Yeah. 
Okay. For sure. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to con in June and I'm teaching a um, well-being workshop wow. uh, at, at, at con lions. And then I'm doing a panel for LinkedIn Yeah, and it's fun to have this dual duality like your event where one minute I'm up on stage and I'm having a, a serious, you know, almost academic professional conversation about mental health, the science, the story. And then like two seconds later, I'm like, yeah, check one, two. And, and it's so fun to be able to, but that takes time when you go back to purpose that I was just going to add, I think the other biggest thing that people have to realize is that the first, that outside of all the other steps I gave you, let me go back and say step zero is stop believing what they taught you. Because mm. they teach us that we can't live our purpose. They mm. teach us that we can't do it all. I was on the phone with my biological dad the other night, and he was like, oh, da 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 And I said, Dad, God's given me the opportunity to do it all. I don't have to choose. And he goes, you just said something. And I said, absolutely. God didn't create a world where I have to choose between music, between being an executive, between being the homie and a friend. Nah, I don't have to choose. I love that because so many, we are raised in a society where it's like, you have one lane and you better stick to, I, my title is this, this is my title. But then now I believe we do have that freedom. Like for me, I'm, I'm a fitness superstar mm -hmm. who works Facts. out here and Facts. there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then you do a crunch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't just say that. <laughs> I, I'm a meditation teacher. I'm, Facts. I'm, I'm a wife. Facts. Sometimes. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm a pop mom. I'm this. Facts. I have my passions. I have the big silence, which is my... My personal passion, yes. like we can be so many things. And I think everyone needs to know that when you think about purpose, like we, we can do it all. Yeah. And sorry if I said too much, I do more than like one crunch a day. <laughs> just, just to be like actually <laughs> factual, more than one crunch. Yeah. <laughs> but I no, but out. yeah, but, but that du duality. Yeah is something that we get to encourage. Yeah. And growing up on limited belief systems, which I think starts in the, in the school system, mm -hmm. no wonder why we have a bunch of adults that, um, you know, just kind of stop. You know, I've been doing a series of mental health workshops, and this week it's it, it's called Be Bigger Than Your Problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it really goes into that thing that, like, we've created a world where, like, oh, you get past 30, it's game over. Mm. anything past age of 30, just stop. And it's like, wait, you still got like 60 years on the other side of 30. I, I know we're both in our 40s. Yes, we are. I, I didn't even start doing as much as I'm doing now until after 40, where like you have that courage to do what your passion and what that purpose is. It, I mean, 30s were great. I was so nervous when I turned 30. I was like, oh my God, I'm so old. Mm -hmm. What you're saying. And then turning 40, I'm like, pow, I'm, I'm freaking. She's can here. Do, I am here. <laughs> Ask Bobby. He's like, girl, can we slow down a little? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah. think that's because for some reason in your 40s, you like break. You just don't care anymore what people think. Yeah, like, exactly. I ran my first half marathon at 43. I just completed, you just did. just completed my second 
at 4,000 feet elevation and for about 22 minutes. Just more no. facts. <laughs> Uh, but um, no, but it's like I told somebody the other week, I was like, oh, but I'm the worst in my running group. Like I come in dead last. But guess what? I don't care. I'm alive. I'm living. I'm doing it. I'm not. And that's the different thing, too. I ain't trying to look good. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you remember the I forgot what movie I think from White Man Can't Jump mm-hmm. when, you know, the the conversation between Woody Harrelson and w- w- Wesley Snipes about, no, are you here to win? Or are you here to look Look good. I ain't trying to look good. I'm trying to win. Yeah. So. I Okay. But now we're just going on a full rant. Okay, I'm yes. not always. I don't even want to win at everything. I just want to do what I want to do. And I don't care what other people think anymore. That mm-hmm. is what my 40s brought to me. I do not care about other people's opinions. I just want to do things that make me happy. And no comparison. Mm-hmm. And not. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) So I think what you just said is actually one of the major keys to mental health. Yeah. Because typically when we talk about mental health, it's this acute conversation Mm -hmm. around words that we don't really understand. Anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, yada, 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 right? Medical terms. Mm -hmm. But I believe the more that I've studied this game, if you come across the way that you did, you're free, your soul's on fire, and you're alive, I believe that that leads to less of a correlation of any sort of mental health challenges because you're mentally healthy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love that. I want to leave it at that. Mentally healthy. And and then I'll add one thing in because I always like to have the last word, as Bobby knows. Um <laughs> Um. yeah just be a good person and take care of yourself that's like my biggest thing is like do whatever you want in life and you can have purpose in so many places and as long as you're a good person and good to other people and respectful all of your dreams can come true and you can li- live a life that is fulfilled and happy namaste Namaste. Are you trying to have the last word? No. (laughs) (laughs) Namaste. (laughs) Thank you, James. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. The big silence.